<laughs> there, there we, we go. are. Broadcast is live. Okay, go. So we are live, and here we are again. It's Jeff and Rob at robscott.com. Um, today, Rob and I have decided that uh, it would be a good day to learn who Rob Scott is. And so he's given well, Jeff. Me- Jeff. Jeff actually decided that. Rob. Rob cares less about that, but you know, yeah, that's. I I think it's important that the people who listen to the radio, uh, our show, I call it the radio show. Yeah, where, what? Who's on the radio? I'm Listen, I'm a simple guy with a simple brain. Okay, give me a break. You're not simple, man. You're you're complex. All right, go ahead. So, so this this radio show that we're doing. Defense, defensive posturing happens when someone becomes a little bit uncomfortable with what's about to happen. Ah, so they begin yeah. making fun of the other person when he makes a bigger flip about radio. So got it, got it. I'm just letting everyone know what you're doing at this point. All right, cool. Um, you know, Rob has been helping. Many, many people. He has, he has coached um, people who names you would know, names you wouldn't know. He has transformed many lives into a very positive impact and positive things. And um, Rob does not have the credentials of a normal self-teaching, coaching doctor out there that's helping people. But what he does have is he has the experience, he has the tools, he has real things that work. His, his techniques work. They're proven techniques that work. And a lot of people that come on our website or a lot of people even watching this are like, well, who is this guy? I mean, he's got tattoos. He looks kind of cute, not as cute <laughs> as his counterpart. But, I mean, really, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, you can't just have eye candy all, eye candy all day. I mean, what, what, who is he and where does he get this information? So today is the day we talk about Rob Scott and kind of get an idea of, you know, Rob, where did you get all of your interesting treasures that you bring to us? Dude, like, thanks for making it really awkward with the eye candy stuff. <laughs> no, I was talking about me. I was talking about me. Oh, oh, right, right. Okay, that's true. Yeah, well, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, first off, I want to I wanna sort of share. I just – it's funny. I'm, we're moving websites around, and we're doing sort of tech stuff in the background. And so I had to look at my old podcast that's been out since, like, 2005 or something. I started doing one forever ago called Fundamental Shift, which is what this company is now named and all, all that stuff, right? So – I mean, I looked at the downloads, and it's it's when you say he's helped many people. I was really, I mean, I'm I'm bragging. This feels great. Like hundreds and hundreds brag. of hundreds of thousands of downloads of those talks, you know. And I didn't even know that's like on an old website, and I wasn't kind of looking at it. And it's just it's so moving to me that that many people can be showing up to download talks that are, you know, this isn't entertainment. This isn't like fun. This is uh, kind of heady, hard stuff. And people need it, and they want it, and all that stuff. And and then the other stuff you said, people uh, that we know. I've done a lot of work on political campaigns and messaging, and uh, help change you know federal public policy about stuff. And you know, I, I get I've I've talked to uh, lots of influential people and been the behind the scenes guy, either coaching or helping or helping with messaging and communication and all this stuff. And so yeah, like when I don't think about that all the time, I don't really necessarily pay attention to it, but you know, and then I help a lot of people starting out and a lot of people who yeah. are really hurting. A lot of parents call me to work with, uh, uh, with, you know, younger people that are coming up and dealing with addiction and all that. And I guess we can get into why, why all of that would be, uh, today, it's, it's right? Really important, right? Like people say, you know, obviously, obviously you're intelligent. Obviously, you know what you're doing. You have some amazing techniques that we've we've, we've shared, you know, on these hangouts, not on the radio or anything, but on the video hangout. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and 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 I just, you know, for me, you, I've known you all my life. 
um, we, we disconnected for a long time, but I knew you as a kindergarten guy. Um, you know, you're not a violent guy, but you gave me a bloody nose in the fourth grade. Um, I still remember that too, but you, you were in the bathroom <laughs> helping me clean my face, which is the kind of guy you are. You're like, dude, I'm so sorry. You apologized within three minutes of doing it. Um, we used to play, you know, superheroes in the backyard, my backyard, your backyard. I know who you are. Um, so when you say you have these things and you have these abilities, um, the first time we reconnected, I immediately believed you because I know who you are. Um, but then I actually, we spent some time together and we worked on some coaching and you, you helped me transform my life into one of the most positive uh, fairy tales, if you will. Um, just living a, a dream, you know, so awesome. I, I'm, I'm testimony to you, bro, um, of how awesome you are and what you do. But again, when people go to look you up, they say, well, well, Hey, this guy just all he does is talk. But what does he? Where does it come from? So I think yeah, you know, deep yeah. dive in a little bit into you, if you would share, maybe yeah. some of the foundation of your knowledge and where it come from. Yeah. So I think I think the biggest thing is that uh, I I lived a, an incredibly dysfunctional life. So a lot of that time, um, a lot of that time, and I was a violent guy for a while, right? You said I'm not a violent guy. Actually, there was a period in my life where um, I did. Uh, fight and I did, you know, learn how to fight and sort of got into a lot of trouble and, um, and stuff. So, you know, the, the quick overview is I was really, really badly abused as, as a little guy, right? So from age like three till eight or so, uh, I had somebody that was, that was literally raping me. And I almost feel like we should give a disclaimer that some of this might not be, you know, this is not a PG talk necessarily. And, um, and so, I feel like, and if you were to ask my mom, I think moms are are very uh, biased in this. But one of the things my mom has sort of sort of come back and told me that, you know, who I am before abuse and before any of this other stuff, I've always been, I've always like wanted to be love, and I've always wanted to sort of, I've always sort of had this global kind of identity of like, why can't we all get along? Like, let's just figure this thing out. And what happened along the way was I got really badly abused, which left me without the tools emotionally and mentally and all that to feel safe and to feel okay. And that led to addictions at a really, really early age. So I ended up, you know, partying too much. I ended up becoming a bad influence to people. Um, I introduced friends uh, to drugs. Uh, sort of when you when you kind of moved out of my life, Jeff, uh, and by the way, you were my very best friend as, as a little guy. You're my brother, right? This and, is and, and I think, you know, you and I together as little guys, we, we experimented a little bit with some stuff. I mean, we did some stuff early on in our age. I'm not going to say the age because young yeah. people could be watching yeah. and I want them to give them ideas of when it's appropriate to yeah. be really bad. Um, you and I got into some pretty bad stuff, and I, I too, was broken along the way. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry I didn't really interrupt you, but I was just kind of connecting to that. It's- no, it's exactly right, and I remember that. I mean, I remember being over at your house and doing some stuff, and, and you know, we'll leave that vague, but, you know, it's like it, it was way too young, and it was it came from you had older brothers, and I had neighbors that were college kids, and I was this little teeny guy who was basically yeah. like, um, you know, a bit of a mascot for these older kids because I would do anything. Right, I wanted to be Fonzie cool. There was nothing where I was like, oh, that's beyond me. So I remember literally being in like sixth grade and hearing the science teacher talk about heroin as like the worst drug ever. And I'm in that moment, I'm going, I can't wait to do heroin. Like that's, I'm, I'm, I want to check out what that is. And in a very sort of Jim Morrison way, I was so angry at the universe and, uh, you know, arguably at, at, at God or whatever that is, like just that, that I was, that I was born into so much pain. And so as we talk in the past about other, um, you know, how you see things ends up 
being what you focus on, right? I was so upset because I was going through so much pain and I've been so incredibly violated. Honestly, I don't, I don't go to the bathroom correctly today as a, you know, 40 something guy. I still have the, the, the reminder of, of a lot of what I went through. So the amount of anger and shame and, um, you know, it just, it was, it was overwhelming. And so of yeah. course, as a human, I want to go feel better, right? So what do I do? Get into drugs, get into alcohol. And this is a huge, it's just how fast can you go through somebody's life? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of other details that went in, but I remember sort of just deciding, I wanted to see what the edge of consciousness was. It was almost like I wanted to have a conversation you know, I wanted to have a conversation with the guy who put me here because I didn't ask to be here and I'm going through all this stuff. And, you know, it was divorce. It was this, it was that. It was, you know, not knowing how to connect with people. It was building up a huge fake bravado of confidence on top of this incredible shame and feeling so worthless and, and small and being told like I might be killed and, you know, all this really horrible, horrible stuff. And so then, you know, I was, I was actively a victim, you know, we can say, right. As, as, as any child to their parents are, but what you find is that the villain in that story was a victim themselves, and that's where it began, right? Sure. So, so what happened was I, you know, I ended up uh, really not ever really paying attention at school ever, right? I never, I never applied myself, but I had the mind that I could easily get by, right? It wasn't, it wasn't hard. I would, I would end up going to the math teacher and being like, hey, if I do this little formula, yeah. can you like let me out of the quizzes? Can I just, like, can we skip right to the end? And then I wouldn't have to participate. And, you know, teachers would come to me and they'd say, you know, you've tested really well on all these intelligence things. Like, why aren't you, why aren't you grabbing at school? Why aren't you doing these things? And I, in my head, I'm going, guys, like, it's not, I just want to get the hell. I I, I kind of wanted to die in a lot of ways, right? It wasn't yeah. uh, at that point like a suicide, but I just I I was deeply deeply unhappy. Dude, and, you know you know how painful it is to listen to you when you tell the story, dude. Just to think that I was there in your world, but not even connected to you at that time. It's you know you you can't spend a lot of time thinking about it because here we are now. But you know it's yeah. For well, me, it's, it's a little it's a little teary for me a little bit just to listen to you. Yeah. So so. You know that was it was it was hellacious. It was really really yeah. bad, and there were family things too, right? My parents were horribly not in love and having problems and going mm-hmm. through that divorce and uh, being at a school where uh, a lot of people had a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of money. And there were times when you know my mom couldn't pay the heat bill and we burned T-shirts to stay warm. You know that kind of stuff, right? So yeah. so there was there was a lot of unhappiness there, and then going to a new school and late and all this stuff, right? Well, I ended up becoming really, really badly addicted. I ended up becoming homeless. Uh, I ended up getting institutionalized. I had this huge, um, you know, expansive uh, spiritual experience of, you know, deep, deep oneness. And I, it's, it's my fundamental shift, right? But that expansion was like this huge state evolution, but I, I didn't have the maturity. I had the, all this wisdom kind of pour in. And maybe, I don't know if we can talk even more about that. At, at, at what point did you have the spiritual? I mean, when, when was this awakening? Like, you know, what point in your life, What through all these trials you're going through, What? where were you when that happened? Yeah, so, I mean, I, there's almost, there's all these other details to share. I ended up hustling pool, right? I was hustling pool kind of up and down the East Coast. I was uh, playing big matches with, like, real name players, and they didn't know who I was, and I was getting into games that were unfair. Hustling is really, uh, it, once you get to a certain level of pool, arguably everybody's best game is about the same, but it becomes about making the game unfair. So, you know, not being known, flubbing in a tournament, and then getting into a match, whatever. Like, this was right when Color of Money was coming out, and it was very, very popular to do, and I was just naturally very good. I was doing tons of drugs at the time and staying up for days on end and playing huge really expensive, you know, 15, 
$15,000 matches and, and, uh, and hustling, right. And getting into trouble, like getting into, you know, like, like scrapes and people wanting to kill me and, you know, like crazy stuff. And, uh, I was like maybe bartending at times and just doing this stuff. And I dropped out of school. I dropped out. Of, I went to college for about half an hour and basically faked that. I'd, I'd, it was the first year that laser printers had come out and I'd created a, a prescription pad that looked like a doctor's prescription pad. And I wrote, wrote a fake doctor note because I was so offended that in college they would want you to go on Friday to take like a quiz. I'm like, college, you don't have to go to class. Why would I, why would I do that? But they were going to make, so I basically said, Rob is sick with monospot and he's tested positive for monospot and strep test. Uh, so he'll be, he'll be there for the exam, but he'll be studying from home. Right. Is what I put in. So when I ended up dropping out of college, my, my dad goes, he's like, you're dropping. Like, what's going on? He's like, is there anything else I should know? And I'm like, well, they've not known. Like, I haven't been there all year, essentially. Folks, right. Folks, if you're listening to what he's saying, it's the power of genius when it doesn't want to be motivated to do the right thing. <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I just was like, how do I get out of this? Because I want to yeah. be doing, I want to be getting wasted and doing drugs and doing all this stuff. And I was right. getting really heavily into hallucinogens and very heavy into uh, cocaine and I starting to dabble in very soon. I was getting into heroin and, and crack and crazy stuff, right? Like, like really as far out, you know, messing with meth, like just all the way out there, right? So, so you're, not, you're not, and, and, and I, I know we could go into details and, and, and obviously we could, we could do some about me pages to give people better details, but you know, you're, you're painting the picture of a guy that people are like, whoa, uh, what am I doing listening to this guy? So where, you know, at what point did it change? You said you had like a spiritual kind of just enlightenment to oneness and, 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 and from that point on, like what was it that happened that made you start going in the other direction? Yeah, so it's actually it's actually a longer story, right? So if you take like an Eckhart Tolle or somebody who's, you know, had a genuine, it's it's obvious, you know, it's a, certainly obvious to me. I hope it's obvious to everyone that like an Eckhart Tolle has had uh, an awakening and he understands oneness and it's it's actually like a conscious evolution um, to literally see the world differently. He's at a different state uh, and stage evolution yes, of consciousness, right? And mm-hmm. and so I had that expansion at nineteen. But what it was in the human form, it, rather than go sit on a bench and sort of just experience that bliss that's available in that mind, right, I, I sort of came back at, as like wanting to scream truth to power, wanting to fix it, wanting to say, wow, we are all yeah. in this huge illusion and we're lost in this huge illusion of separateness, right? It's essentially this thing. I mean, of, at 19, you're going to be naive and go, like, I should just tell everybody this has to stop and just think you could do it. Well, and I was also on a body that was hugely addicted, that had yeah. all these problems, yeah. and so I had this massive mind shift, and then it had it followed with years of pain. So I ended up getting institutionalized as a crazy person. I was strapped down to tables and, uh, you know, uh, in a white room with like the little window where you're just watching for their head to bob by, um, having no idea how long I was going to be there or what was going on. Literally like a padded cell. Um, nobody's allowed lighters. I mean, this is on lockdown and in. in insane asylum, right? Like that's, that's what it is. It's that bad, right? Going on to a whole year of having to go through rehabs and halfway houses and all this stuff. And then after that, continuing to be uh, homeless, right? Uh, Losing, losing all that stuff. And so like the nineties for me were, they're literally a blur. Like I have very little idea of like where I was in 96 or uh, what was going on this way. And so I had this massive expansion of consciousness that literally didn't fit into the narrative of what normal is on our planet. And I didn't have the maturity to like hold that consciousness in a way that was productive and clear. And so 
Um, part of the reason that people call me to deal with addiction and people who are dealing with like insanity and stuff like that is that you have this incredible opportunity. There's, there's this real uh, deconstruction of meaning to have this open expanse. And what, what insanity often looks like for people is they reconstruct things in a way that's really not that healthy. And there's a lot that's very right about what they're talking about, and they end up putting meaning in that's very, very messy, and it ends up being... You know, it's very not normal thinking, and it's not clear, open spiritual thinking. It's this new mapping of stuff that looks like insanity. And so um, I had to get mentors. I mean, I had to get people that could uh, hold my hand and talk to me about addiction over time. And and, and I'm, I'm sort of knowing a lot more than they do in this one context of, of how we're all sort of Rob, one, right? Rob, yeah. yeah, Rob, was, was, was it when you were 19 and had that experience? Is that when you started making the decision to get mentors or, or, you know, what, how long did it take for you to kind of mature enough to realize, Hey, you know what? I need to get myself together and I need to get people around me that I can talk to and, and hold me accountable. Yeah. So no, so no, it was years of mess after that because, yeah. uh, and I know this is like a really itchy talk, right? It's really hard to get into the reality of this because I can, I can write this in a way where I'm skipping over certain parts or I'm really highlighting other parts and we can make this really attractive because what happened was profound, but it yeah. took years of mess. It took years yeah. of mess. Um, of homeless uh, addiction because I, right and wrong didn't have the same meaning anymore. And so I, you know, morality, you start to get beyond morality, what Nietzsche calls beyond morality. And it, it becomes really weird to sort of take what's, what's right and what's wrong. And the expression of like, I want to just see what the edge of consciousness is took over. I started doing massive amounts of hallucinogens, massive amounts of drugs. Um, and my homelessness wasn't that I couldn't figure out money. It wasn't that I was dumb or, you know, couldn't, it was that I literally didn't have fundamental trust for society and I wanted to evolve out of it. And so all these delusions of like, I'm just going to live outside of society started yeah. to come up. And yeah. so I started to go, I'm not going to participate. And like I, we've talked in another talk about how when you have a certain level of mindset ability or self-awareness, let's say, other people can be really kind of annoying, right? So imagine what the mainstream news sources look like to somebody that's going through this. It's just, it's a constant lie. It's constant fear being put in. So you start to resist. And to my young, immature mind, I was like losing, I was, I was losing my mind, quite literally. I was like, this is, we're all lying to each other, right? So yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have the maturity to, um, handle it, how I'm handling it today, because all those truths are still there for me, which might scare some people, because they, they don't get kind of what I mean by that, but like, the big no, expansive... Everyone, everyone knows that we all, we all come from something. I mean, I, you know, I'm 43 years old, and I don't think I really had a breakthrough till when I met you, and then like, about 38. Yeah. You know, I, I went through a whole, my life was a mess. I mean, it was yeah. a good life. I was living a functional life, but I was I was a mess. Yeah, and, and well, we, it's, we and it's a small kids. it's a small life, right? It's a it's yeah. a it's it's a safe life. It's a you know it's like whatever. But but the the conscious evolution to oneness, right? Mm -hmm. Which I want to drop that in because it's really I don't we leave it alone because a lot of people just are they're not interested in it or they don't know what it is. Like that's that's the real evolution of man. Right, the real evolution of man is realizing that yes, we're separate. Yes, there's a version of me that's separate from you, but we are all one, right? And if the only way that you can kind of understand that, we're at least all on, uh, you know, the spaceship we call Earth, flying around, and and there's levels of connection between us. But at the at its very very deepest level, the essence of consciousness itself is almost like one radio station that we're all subjectively kind of 
kind of tuning into yes. to feel that that one wave, that one you know underneath thing that manifests itself in the physical form. But that there's a there's a tangible connection that you can have. Yes. Uh, prayer, meditation, those kinds of things give us access to the different perspectives of consciousness. One of which is our, our realization of oneness. So what happened to me at 19 is this realization of oneness, and I go, oh my, that changes the whole thing, right? And then I go, wow, we're all fighting. Why, why are we all fighting each other? We just shouldn't be fighting each other. Why are we even having wars? There's nobody here to war with if we just decide and see the truth of our oneness. So if you're 19 and drug addicted and you're having that narrative and you're going to, it doesn't fit. Right. Society doesn't goes, uh, society goes, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, please yeah. shut up, right? So Essentially, what happened is I had to go out, and I, so I tried to live that while society's telling me not to live that, and mm-hmm. I end up living in my car. I end up getting in high-speed chases and doing, living kind of however I wanted, right? And, uh, and then I ended up uh, you know, getting horribly beaten down by the police uh, on multiple occasions. The last occasion was the worst by, by far. I ended up uh, taking a gun away from a police officer. He had a gun up in my face really hard. It was actually this cheek. And... Uh, um, I'd been in a big high-speed chase. I'd actually ditched the cops. Uh, another cop had found me and said, get out of the car. I wouldn't. I told him the door was open. I'm like, I'm not going to put my hand down and give him an excuse to shoot me. He pulls me out. He's so mad. He's shoving this gun in my face. He's not. And I just keep saying to him, like, just be a cop. Just be a cop. Just process me, process me. And something switched in me. I was so done of kind of taking it. And, you know, I, I ended up taking his gun away and taking him down and hurting him really, really badly. Uh, I was told at the time that he would probably never walk the force again. He was going to have to have a desk job because I damaged uh, things in his hand, his shooting hand, to uh, to be a police officer. I can't tell you that when the rest of the cops showed up and I have his gun and I've put a police officer down, uh, they beat on me for a long time. It was a very, very bad, you know, and and uh, like, of course, right? Like, of right. course. So. Right. So I ended up getting like put away and not processed for a while while they kept doing stuff to me and you know it was uh, I, I ended up outside of the regular system there and I got out of that and I had no idea where my car was because my car was completely illegal it had a stolen plate on you know it was just it, like nothing was functional in my life I was as dysfunctional as you could be with like all this crazy sort of spiritual wisdom but the application of it was so disturbed right the application of it didn't have an honoring of of separate self, right? It was only trying to say, like, you know, this other thing. So anyway, I think we're way too far down the, the rabbit hole on that. What ended up... What it, ended gives, up it gives a lot of insight, and it's, and it's deep, and, and it's... It's you're, it's making you a little bit more amazing to me. I'm just listening to this stuff going, wow, I, I didn't know that story. Um, just, wow. Yeah, and I, I mean, I have countless stories like that. It's really funny. I, I was just writing... Part of the reason this got inspired is I started to talk to you about my About Me, and it's... Yeah. It, one of the uh, just to do another little a little side off thing. Um, for years, I was doing coaching and I really wasn't sharing anything about me. And it, the part of that was that it it was like it's not important about me. This is about you and your result, and I'm here to help you. But I ended up doing a talk with a friend. This is years ago now, and it was the first time that I had publicly. It was like a public talk. It was the first time I publicly said my story. It was the first time I'd really shared, and not as much as I'm saying now with you, but just stuff like I was sure. homeless. I had this, and while I'm sharing it. Uh, there's one guy in the back of the room who's just looking at me like he wants to kill me. Like he's just, and I'm going and I'm doing my talk and I'm like, hey, and this is what happened. And not only that, we did that a little bit about me just as an intro, and then I taught a lot of stuff. So it was like an hour long talk that I'm giving, and this guy's get, looking at me like he's just. I'm I'm like, man, I'm going to be in a thing. Like we're going to. I don't know if he's remembering me from something or I don't know why he's right. so 
upset, but I'm just getting this really intense look. So when it ends, and this is the first time I'd ever shared my story, and that's right when he started to get upset, he runs right up to me, and he goes, when are you going to write your book? Like, that was the most inspiring story I've ever yeah. heard. And I, so I had I had him totally misjudged, right? I Of course, I was projecting onto him, like, I guess he doesn't like me, or you know, because yeah, I yeah. was resisting telling my story. So now if people find me, like, I'm sure there's other, I've said my story in podcasts and different degrees, and, you know, I put it at the beginning of an e-book just to let people know, like, I've been through a lot. And, and what this is really about is going from the very, very bottom, and I could tell you horrific stuff. I mean, we're really only scratching the surface. I have. No, I, I think you've done a pretty good job right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but there's much. I mean, there's much worse. And what's what's really scary? What people don't get is that the absolute worst thing. I will tell you the absolute. I've 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 been in so much sort of different pain and you know being abused and being really victimized and not feeling like you can get out of something. Um, having guns in your face, being in gunfights, like you know all the stuff that's really scary and scary and horrible. Not trusting your own mind, having a mind that seem like is not functioning properly, right. like insanity, right. is bar none. It's it's the nightmare. And humans, the normal regular human level of anxiety and overwhelm and stress that we're dealing with, is the beginning of that. Right? It's not full blown insanity, and I'm not going to equate those two. But it is a it is a pathology of misery that we're living in at a certain level. That's just uh, horrendous, right? Mm-hmm. I took that to the level that was massive, and and yeah. to the point where I wanted to hurt myself, and you know all this, so Rob, all this different stuff. Rob, uh, duly noted, and all that. Um, and I'm not, you know, obviously everything that you went through, you know, you, you, we can't make light of you know the truth of all that stuff. And you know, we, we're upbeat people. We have positive main, mind frames, and so we, we look back at that stuff and kind of go, "Wow, that's crazy," and with a little bit of humor to it, but. You know, um, I don't want to cut your story short, but let's talk about let's talk about the turnaround. Let's talk about the the, the, the upswing to you and where where you are now. Yeah. So, what happened? Once I had a little bit more maturity, once I had a little bit more, and I actually I'd gotten beat down enough. And what they talk about in addiction circles is is uh, you know hitting hitting bottom, right? In some yeah, sense, yeah. Um, there's there's a bunch of hitting bottoms in my story, and there were a bunch of evolutions. It was like com- it was overcoming certain things. And what's so amazing is my life now feels like I like I don't know how it could get any better but I felt that way 5 years ago and it got better so it's like it's it's continually kind of expanding and doing this thing but what turned for me was I actually got beaten down and I had to give up on my own ideology I had to say all right, you know, I don't want to go fight, you know, be in this corporate world where they're all just, you know, drones and doing whatever. I had to put that down and I had to be like I need to figure out my life. Like I need to I skipped spiritually all the all the like Oh, you actually have to make money thing, right? Like I, I and and there's you have to do your wash. You have to actually have a roof over your head. Uh, to to actually get out of being homeless, I realized I go, I need a mailbox. Like I didn't even need to live anywhere. I needed a mailbox. I needed to come back to life so that I could mail. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania at the time, Harrisburg, to get my license reinstated. I had to have an address where I could have court cases and pay tickets and and just start to deal with reality, right? right. So, so I ended up coming coming back, having um, you know, at my parents who I hadn't spoken to in a really long time. I'd been kind of written off. Um, essentially, they really wanted me to go through another program, another rehab, or whatever. Uh, that didn't work out financially, and otherwise, it wasn't an option for me. Uh, my mom gave me a roof for a little period of time. And then I ended up with this little teeny apartment and a temp job. And I was basically, you know, filing papers in this temp job and, and, and just doing 
you know, basic entry-level stuff while I was dealing with all these court cases and trying to get out of uh, all the trouble that I was in. But what I decided on, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to expand consciousness through drugs anymore. I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to get sober. I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to follow the rules. Like, let me just follow the rules for a little while. And through that, I started to realize that I was so far beyond other people at understanding how the mind worked because I I'd, I'd literally had a broken mind and I'd had to put it back together. And I'd had to understand motivations. And I'd had to understand communication at such a level and at such dysfunction that once you came back and I saw how normal people were interacting and all that stuff, wow, I could really uh, lead. I could really understand systems and habits and all the things that are now exactly what I coach on. And what happened is I started to go up in the corporate chain really, really, really fast, right? Mm -hmm. So I started to get, um, I started to do this one thing. I kind of skipped entry level because I got hired as what really might be kind of like a math analyst. We were trying to do scheduling and forecasting of a call center. Um, then they, the tech comp, the tech side of the business came over and they're like, who's writing the software? Because I started to write stuff to help me do that job. And so I skipped up this other level. I skipped up this other level. And then all of a sudden I got cancer, right? So I got... Uh, I got really sick um, with cancer, and I didn't really respect what's involved in that. And I had a vacation wow. coming up. It was my first. It was sort of my first vacation uh, that I'd had after kind of getting my life together in some sense. And I have all this pain. I go in to get it checked. Turns out that I have cancer, and they want to have surgery the next day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to Puerto Rico. And they made me sign all these forms because I'm like, I'll do that. I'm like, I would have gone. I almost didn't come in for this, so I'll just do it when I get back. Right. So that's how much like kind of not respect for life and death and, yeah. and all yeah. that stuff I had. And I ended up going on this trip and it made it much worse. It, um, you know, they told me that the pressure of the plane could make things rupture. And when I come back, if it gets into my lymph system. So it did. I came back, had the operation. It turns out that the cancer had gotten all over my body. And um, I had to go through a really, really aggressive chemo. And we have we have pictures of that somewhere. I'm sure yeah, I I've seen the pictures with you and a cigarette in your hand. Yeah, yeah, so not, I, not respecting exactly what was going on in your life. Yeah, so what's funny is I that's it's not funny at all. I was on the cancer ward and I was a smoker at the time. I'm not a smoker anymore at all, but I was a kid, you know, and I would sneak cigarettes in, you know, I'd go in the bathroom and then during the day if I, people were going to be coming in and out of the room, I and the chemo that I was on was so aggressive that it like broke down my muscles. It was very hard to walk, shake, you know, I'm bald, all this stuff. I would like you know, wiggle outside to sit in the non-smoking area and be like puffing away while I'm getting chemotherapy, right? Like the drip of chemo is going into me. So, you know, like just irreverent, right? Yes. Like kind of like rule breaker. I'm going to do it my way. Yes. Um, I'm going to figure it out. I want to push the edges of, of stuff, right? So constant evolution of, of thinking and thought and all that I had to go through cancer. So like not only have I been really mentally and emotionally damaged and ill and all that, but I've been really, really physically sick, um, you know, also, um, yes. when I came back from cancer, I was really upset because the company that I'd worked for was going to, they'd sold the company and everybody that was on short-term disability, which I was going through the cancer was going to be let go. And the cancer actually got really expensive and I wasn't very far from being homeless. And so I was trying to get my life together. I already had tons of debts. I was moving up the corporate ladder, but I, I couldn't lose that job again and be sick with cancer. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. So I actually had to go into work like way before I should have been there. My manager at the time was like, look, you have to be here, but you just you don't have to work. You can sit in the bathroom and throw up all day. So I literally would go into work and sit in the bathroom and throw up all day just to be there so I wouldn't lose my job, right? So when I finally kind of recovered from that, I thought – 
that's it. I need to go work for a company that, that I'm more excited about, right? I don't just want to be here, you know, where I got my temp job way back. Right. And, um, right. So I picked this company. I went to work at Merck, and I thought I was going to be surrounded by really smart people, and it turns out it was a very, very slow – it was just not – it wasn't a creative organization. It weren't – that all my ideas weren't really uh, implemented. They wanted to do it a certain way, and so I just felt like – it felt like death to me. Um, but they were uh, – they gave me an opportunity to work there, and they don't hire people without degrees. And so um, it's one of those things where people were making exceptions because I was so good at what I was starting to do, and I was starting to get deep into technology and all that. Anyway, I ended up going to find this company that was amazing in Philadelphia, really fun, arguably one of the coolest places to work ever at the time. It was called Medical Broadcasting Company, and um, now they're Digitas and Digitas Health. Um, but I worked on a big product for them. I helped build and sell uh, a product called ePharmaceuticals for them. And what happened was I went from uh, starting very entry level there because I just wanted the job and I just took entry level, and I very quickly became vice president of technology there, um, working at first for one of their satellite companies and then becoming vice president of technology for the main company and helping them sell and uh, being a part of them being acquired, selling off e-pharmaceuticals and then selling the big company itself. Um, and along the way. Not only did I sort of make what you know my department work well enough and work with as few people as possible and get into efficiencies and all that, but I ended up having kind of a line of people outside the office that were asking for coaching. And so, I mean, I know we're skipping over a lot, but this is where I'm like honing on what are the what yeah. are the systems that work, right? What are the behavioral systems that work to you know fix your life and 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 be really effective and all that. So when you say they lined up for coaching, I mean, what what were they like business related coaching? Like, how do you do this at work? Stuff like that? Yeah, so it's it's funny. Um, it, it it was all that kind of stuff. So some people, it was they wanted to know about meditation and peace because I was incredibly peaceful and happy in what I was doing and really effective. Some of them were like, I'm having relationship problems. Some of them were, um, you know, literally, I can't, I'm not healthy. And so it's not, it wasn't work related. They're asking you about themselves. I mean, can you help me? Well, it was, just, it was, it was, can you help me? But it was also work related. People wanted to know how I managed. They wanted to know, right? So it was just, and I didn't think it was coaching at the time at all. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was quite sure that it was something else. And by the way, when I said before that I decided to get sober, I got sober, but then I, I just stopped the really heavy stuff. What I, what I reintroduced was the sort of partying level, you know, not crack and heroin and all these big things like that, but it was more like drinking and maybe some weed and maybe some shrooms, but I wouldn't do acid. And, I, you know, I had all these lines of what I wouldn't wouldn't do. And I'm going up this corporate chain and uh, I'm, I'm a functioning alcoholic, essentially, right? So I would go to lunch and have four martinis and come back and lead a meeting because I could do that. And... Um, you know, the the vice president was coming in. If I showed up at 11 because I was hungover and didn't want to go into work, she would come in and, like, turn on my light and move the chair because I was I was I gave that much value to the organization that they, you know, nobody wanted to call out that I wasn't really always behaving right because I, I'd learned how to give incredible value. So that was going on while I was becoming vice president, and then I decided to really just totally stop everything. And I didn't do it with AA. I didn't do it through rehab. I didn't do it through whatever, although I'd gone through a lot of that stuff in my past. I just decided, I was like, I am done. And that was a huge evolution. Um, it was a huge identity shift for me. We've talked about identity shift before. To decide to become somebody who doesn't smoke cigarettes anymore, somebody who doesn't drink, and huge change because my closest friends all were heavy, heavy yeah. partiers, right? Yeah. It was all people that had a lot about that. So I decided to stop drinking, and even the even the CEO of the company, we met in an elevator once, and he goes, you know, wow, you quit smoking and drinking. He goes, 
I kind of wish you'd just quit smoking because the drinking's fun. Like, I don't know why, you know, whatever. And so nobody around me was necessarily like supportive of the change because I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was really having a lot of fun with it, but I was starting to, starting to hurt my, I was just, I couldn't get my needs met that way. And so that's where this real um, evolution sort of happened of um, being deeply, deeply happy and actually listening to that first voice that I understood at 19 of oneness of this deep, like, it's not about, uh, getting our needs met outside ourselves. It's really about getting, uh, you know, to the core, happy in here. And then from that space, you can, you can be amazing. So this is years ago now. I've been fully sober off of absolutely everything for more than 10 years now. I was going to ask you that, that very question when you finished, kind of like, you know, just, just labor in here, you know, how long have you been clean and sober? Yeah. And, sure. and I, and I got mentors to do that. I worked with a, mm-hmm. I worked with a counselor who, now I, I said I didn't do 12 steps That's or amazing. any of that. But that counselor who was, who really took on a fatherly figure for me, gave me like a really healthy, uh, a trusting adult male, uh, to, to have talks with and get value. So I was getting fathered, you know, like in my thirties instead of, you know, uh, when I was a lot younger, didn't have the trust sure. and the safety with men. So I had this amazing guy, his name's Wilhelm. He's uh, been a huge advisor. And that, that goes into the recommendation to everybody to like find a mentor, right? Find, Find a counselor, a coach, a therapist, like somebody to work with so that you can be looking at your life in the third person and you're not like in it all the time, right? So right. I took a lot of a lot of spiritual wisdom there with me, but like he helped me figure out um, you know, really living my life in this in this deeply connected to emotions. He taught me tons of things about how like emotional bodies and just because what did I do? My emotions hurt so badly from way back that I stuffed them down and I disconnected and I stayed up in my head. Right. And I didn't connect down into how things felt. So I didn't have, you know, really close, intimate relationships. I didn't have close sexual relationships because of all the shame about that and not being able to commit in that way. And so that evolution started to become so profound and my deep meditation practice started and um, just, you know, literally living a world that I would call enlightened. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas I might have had access to that before, but I wasn't expressing it in the same way. So I'd had all this material success and the whole world saying, well, when are you going to write a book about that? Like, look at what you came from and what you created. And I'm going, wow, this isn't it. This is amazing. And being productive and successful and having financial success is funny because when I when I when I might have been like six months to a year ago when I was talking, he's like, dude, why don't you just write a book? And the first thing he says, because I'm not done. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not. But you have such an amazing, compelling story about what you've gone through. I mean, uh, hopefully everybody that's listening out there, anybody that's going through any situation, you can relate to something that Rob's gone through in the past. And it's like you don't have to let that define you. Your actions today define who you are, and you can begin today to make real changes in your life and just make the right positive moves. Yeah, so thank you. And you're right. I mean, there's probably a couple books in here and all that stuff. One of the things you just you – just, uh, alerted me to remembering is that part of the biggest part of self-development is putting the past in the past. Landmark Education has this idea of where they, where if we carry our past with us, we bring it into our mindset of the day. And what do we do? We then go, that that becomes the truth, right? And we carry it with us. And what's it do? It creates our, our present that way. And so we're literally putting our past into the future and like living into it. So if I kept the identity of like, I'm an addict or I'm a homeless guy or I'm a whatever, I have to literally shed that identity, pick a new one and actually put the past in the past and be like, you know what? That did happen, but like, it's not my truth today and it's not, right. it's not who I am today. So That's anyway, key. what, yeah, it's totally, it's a big deal. And, and so I, I want to jam more on this because we're not even to the good stuff yet. We're not even to like the developing of all these, all these tools and stuff. Right. right. So, 
Uh, I mean, here's another thing to share. I never read a book. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bright guy and that's testable and whatever, but like I never read a book cover to cover until my like mid to late 20s, right? So I got through school writing essays about why I didn't read the book and making them entertaining enough or whatever for, for, the, for the guy to be like, well, you know, I'll pass you. Like, this is good, but like you got to read the book and I never did. Right. And so I ended up not reading a book. And the first one was about pool. It was about this pool hustler. And it was so short that I literally it, it held my attention all the way to the end. And I got to the end and I remember going, oh, my God, they used to call me the rabbit when I played because I'd have to kind of like bring my glasses up with my nose. So I do this thing with my nose. and They call me the rabbit. And it turns out there was a hustler called the rabbit that wrote this book. And I read this book cover to cover about this guy, the rabbit. Right. And. <laughs> It, I mean, it's ridiculous, but now I'm this voracious reader. Like, you can't keep books away from me. I've, I've actually, I have a product on how to do, how to speed read, right? Like, so, because I started to realize there's different ways to take the information in, and it's, it's not just fast eyes, it's other things, right? Like, how can you quickly take information and stuff it in your head? So I've, I've done that kind of stuff, right? So what, what happened for me was I got clear and I started to live this incredibly different life that I would highly recommend anyone do because it's it's an addiction free um and i don't mean just addiction like the big stuff i mean like like your happiness is inside right like it's internal yeah. okay yeah. so this is what i this is what i coach on is how can you how can you connect with the joy that's your gift inherently and you need to fix the wounds you need to fix the safety and all that stuff but so what happened was i started to get that and that's when i started the podcast fundamental shift and it was about 2005 which is so weird that it's 2014 i mean that's literally like 9 years ago now it's crazy to me that it's that long ago but i was newly sober and i had i i'd had done so much work on myself already that i was really having this thing and i was like you know what i want to now go back to the realizations i had when i was 19 and start sharing them and they're about belief and meditation and what is hypnosis and what is all this stuff because now i'd been a voracious reader i'd been just you know like looking everywhere krishnamurti to whoever um, you know, to Nietzsche, to all the philosophers, to really figure all this stuff out. And what I found was this deep, profound truth that I had found at 19 that I thought I was, like, alone. And it, it literally led to almost like a messianic complex because I was like, I'm here to, like, save the world. Like, we're all one. Like, let's do this. And then and I hadn't read any books yet, right? Like, I didn't realize that, right. like, everyone else found that, not everyone, but, like, tons of people have found this, too, and we're all trying to have this same narrative. Right. We're yeah. all trying to. And that's the highest narrative we can have is like, how can we really exist in this incredibly sustainable, amazing place and, you know, learn how to deal with pain appropriately and teaching and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. And so that's yeah. what I'm about. I'm here to end suffering. I'm here to end that suffering of, of separateness and end all the different forms of suffering because we really can. And I've done it in my life. Right. Like really. And so it doesn't mean pain doesn't exist, but we don't have to suffer from it. And so that mindset shift, that change has been profound. So I start doing this podcast because of the podcast. I start getting more people outside my office, uh, literally and figuratively. Right. More friends want advice. Um, and, and so people on the podcast start asking me for coaching. And I mean, from like Australia, Japan, Ireland, all over America. Right. People in California. And they're going, what do you charge? I want you as a coach. And honestly, at the time I was like, coach, like. You know, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a philosopher or I'm going to be an author. Like I'm coach. That's not my identity. Like I'm way more than that. Right. Like, didn't you hear I'm a vice president or whatever, blah, 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 like coach. Right. What is that? And I didn't really know or care what it was. I ended up telling my chiropractor, who was also a friend at the time, and he looks at me and he's like, I'd hire you right now. 
He's like, I'm, I have all this issues around the office and technology stuff. And I, I would love your coaching. And now I'd left. I'd chosen to leave my job. I left um, a wonderful person that I was dating at the time, but just, you know, uh, decided to not be in that relationship, left her. She's still an amazing friend today. I left my house. I left my job, like, all in a day. And well, in, I had worked it out, so I got a really nice severance um, package at the time, which was I'm really kind of proud of it. It was a pretty smart thing to do because they were sure I wasn't going to leave, and I got them to write in this thing that if I left in three months or whatever, I'd get this thing. So on the day that I could leave, I left. I took a great severance package. Um, I left the house. I left you know this thing. I moved into this teeny apartment, and I'm just going to commit to this podcast, which I'm not charging for. There was no, you know, it wasn't a money exchange thing. It wasn't a business. It was just my commitment to fix. And I'd been homeless. So I'd made all this money in corporate America. To me, I'm like, I don't need a job. I just, I got plenty of money for a while. So I bought a house and I, you know, I just did all this stuff. That's when people started asking me for coaching. And what I found was working with this first guy, I was like, oh, this is what I do all the time. I love this. I've been doing this since I was a little kid with my parents. I've been coaching friends and teaching yeah. and, and holding yeah. hands. I'm, this is completely who I am, right? This is not only like kind of, it's like completely who I am. This is, I'm absolutely a coach. And so now I want to wickedly master coaching and not just be like other coaches. I want to innovate on it. I want to be like, you know, the best and I want to help the most people. And so then I go, wow, this is a business. And the only way to really do this is to turn this into a business and understand marketing and sales and all this stuff. Well, what's funny is I'd been where I'd been at a company that did marketing and sales and I'd done technology and scaled things and set up systems. And that was, how do you think I got to be vice president? It was by doing all those things. Right. So now I had this large history of not only helping people with that internal mindset stuff and all the things that my dysfunction and brokenness and healing coming like a phoenix out of the fire from that, right? Um, I have all these incredible tools to help you change, right? But not only that, I have all the systems and everything to, to win at business and to uh, lose weight and all this stuff. So, you know, cancer survivor, not only that, but I, in that addictive phase, I got to like 75 pounds heavier than I am now. I lost 75 wow. pounds myself. I have fat pictures too we can show, but I, I lost uh, 75 pounds in like nine or 10 months myself by committing to eating differently and working out and all that. So yeah. weight loss, you know, behavior change, mental mindset, all the stuff. Um, it's like, I've got it and I've got it because I've been through it and I've done it myself. So I started to work on how can I help these other people? And my podcast was a way to do that one to many, right? And mm-hmm. my individual coaching was a way to do that one-on-one. And um, all I'm here to do now, what I'm so excited about, which is finding your purpose, is really like landing on your purposes. I am here, you know, to be presence, right, to share joy, to share love, and to help us transform. I mean, that that absolutely is my purpose on this planet, and I'm so kind of connected to it now. And so I'm sure there's huge wedges of my life where I've just completely skipped over and and missed it or forgotten, but, like, is that – well, I mean, you know, our, our hangouts are supposed to be 20 minutes or so. We try to set a, a, a significant time frame so we don't drag on too long. But this has been a much more um, um, personal story, so it's a little bit more, you know, you're in tune with and touch with it. Uh, you can't go into all the wedges, Rob. Yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, it, how did we get to where we are today? I mean, today, you know, you've got a program called The Core. We're going to put a link right down below so people can check that out. Um, it's a program that, um, if I remember correctly, I remember when you first started creating, you were like, you know, I, I, I pretty much use these steps to help people, and it can be done systematically where it can be a program. 
Yeah, so I'm so. I'm, I'm happy that you did that because it's like the core is there's a lot of things that you can coach people on, right? So right. if somebody wants to learn how to be a better athlete, they can hire a coach. If somebody, you know, professional football player needs a coach, and if you notice, all the best people get coaches, right? Tiger Woods Patrick, has a coach, you know, some right? kind of they, trainer assigned to him. Yeah, everyone. That's, a big reason why they're the best is that they're committed right. to that. They're committed to learning, right? The person that goes out and does it himself only gets however much results. So the coach helps you model that and do that stuff in, in just coaching, right? Like even sports coaching or, or whatever. Um, what I find is that there's an evolution of, of somebody that at first you need to heal the wounds, right? We need to go from dysfunctional, if we are dysfunctional, to healed and whole and happy, Right. Yeah. And so psychology for the longest time was trying to fix dysfunction only. OK. But once you're whole, that doesn't mean you're happy and productive and kick ass. Right. It just means that you're normal. Right. That you're what we would hope is normal. Normal is actually probably dysfunctional. But, you know, what we would hope is normal is this kind of fixed whole a healthy human being. Right. And then after that, you need to figure out how to like contribute and make money and grow wealth and do, and all those are coaching lines too. And really right. important. What I figured out to be kind of the core, the, the first place, right. And if you're exceptional and you're balanced and you're happy, you probably don't need the core. I mean, that's not it. But if you are stuck in self-sabotage, limiting beliefs, it shows up as procrastination, all that stuff, then you're not going to be able to work on any of those big tracks because nothing matters if you're going to sabotage yourself. If you build a big business just to like let it all fall away or you start a diet and just to let it fail, you haven't fixed yourself at the core, right? And right. so for eight, nine years now, since I started coaching, I developed this program to one-on-one -on -one work with somebody and find their limiting beliefs, find their stuff that they can't even see about themselves, right? Pull those out, make them ridiculous, totally rewire them and have them have a new thing and then change the behaviors on top of that. So it's not just the thinking, then how do we habituate that in the behaviors? So there's an internal shift and there's an external behavior shift. So your whole life becomes different. That's what I've been doing for years. I mean, I've been doing it forever. And what you were talking about was, and that's basically taking somebody who's not functioning at the level that they want and making them amazing, giving them a, a ground where they can then, you know, if they want coaching after that on how to do business or how to do whatever, that's where I spend a lot of my time is coaching on these things. But you have to go through the core first, right? And so I thought forever that I was going to have to do that one-on-one. -on -one. I never thought I, well, and it was, it, here's an assumptive thinking that I was living into. I was like, you know what? This is too personal. Uh, people aren't going to want to be able to do this. I don't know how I would ever do this in a group. And then I started to have a breakthrough. I started to go, oh, wait, I can do this. Not only could I do this in groups, I can make a program out of this, which does what? It makes it a lot more affordable than what it costs to work with me. It means that many, many, many more people than I could do, you know, I only have so much time and energy, right? Like it, right. it's a limit of what I can do. And so it literally set up. And so for the past, I guess it's probably been 18 months now um, since the first iteration of this and then redoing it and refilming it and making it, you know, it's going to, it's, this is the thing I'm committed to for the rest of my life because right. I think it should be in schools. I think everybody um, should go through this because it really trains you how to think differently. It really trains you how to set your own mind shift or mindset and, and actually back up. It shows you the filters and the, and the lenses that you're looking through and gives you the ability to change them. And that is magic. I mean, it's absolutely, it is, it, it is complete magic. And in fact, one of our, one of our people that actually did that, his testimony, he said, I don't want to call it a magic pill, but you know, and he actually, yeah. really, he really, you know, related the core to a magic pill. And it's, it's, 
It's yeah, it's just, permanent. It's it's instantaneous. It's permanent. It's one of those things where once you shift, right? It's like yeah. a fun, fundamental shift. Once you shift, it doesn't mean problems don't, you know, you, but your ability to deal with them, like it's a whole new level of consciousness. And, I, you know, I know that's wishy-washy. Like people go, what do you mean? Well, I mean you become able to be self-aware. You have you literally become more powerful mentally. It's like a better way to think. And it, it right. leads to more money, more time, more happiness, better relationships. Like it does the whole deal, right? And like, ah, it's awesome. Well, like, one of the greatest things about working with you, when, when we, we talked about, you know, joining up together and doing some of these talks and working together a little bit and helping, you know, get this thing running. The coolest thing you ever said to me was, the core is not about, you know, selling bit by bit to people so they can constantly keep buying a programs, you know, for this and that. It's buy it and you got it. And yeah. It's, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's, and that's, you, you're true to your word when you say, I'm really trying to end the world of suffering. And now you listen to your story and you listen to all these sufferings, all the pain that you went through to see that the end result of that, to come out of that, to be someone who's a champion to end it all. And that's, you know, Rob, God bless you, dude. I mean, it's an amazing thing for you. I mean, that's, Thank you, thank you. I I I want to uh, I want to really receive that and 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 thank you. One of the things I mean I'm as selfish as as self is a is a self referential thing. It's it's don't misunderstand what this is. It took me a long time to learn that the yeah. way I'm happiest is when I'm serving others. And that's not that's not lip service. Like the the I think a lot of people say that and they're kind of full of shit, right? Like they're not really um, they don't really mean that. The gift that I have that I'm so like tickled about that's a weird word but it came to mind right I feel I feel like tickled that like like that that my commitment to that and ability to exchange value like I get money for what I'm doing right it's not it's not totally like let me just help and and get nothing for it but that exchange of value that ability to help somebody part of the reason I accept money too by the way truly is for them because if they don't pay for it they won't pay attention. They don't value it in the same way. So they have to actually that's, commit. That's so a true holds, concept. Yeah. So it holds their attention, right? So, that, But there's an exchange there. Like I'm so into helping people that when we get an email or somebody tells me that it went well or, we, or I get to do like a, a video testimonial with somebody who's had an incredible – or I get to hear from you like how your life is different. Like that – makes me joyful in the moment in a, in a way that's selfish. Like, I feel great. Yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah. it's phenomenal. So the one thing I wanted to say, you, you talked about it being the thing, that the, my favorite way that I like to say it is, I don't want it to be the next program. It's not, how many programs do you do that might help you in a minute, and they don't, but they don't really change it long term? It's not the next program. It's the last program. Like, it's the, it, it's the program that you need to do that's going to change everything. And you may choose whatever line of development, whether you want to get better at athletics or business or, or whatever, you're going to choose to maybe commit and do programs for those, right? But for fixing your own joy, your own happiness, your own expression, your own ability to see your own lenses and be free and end suffering, it's the last program. You, you don't need this and then it wears off in a couple months. Like it is a it fundamental is, shift. In, it is in, the core. It's yeah. fundamentally shifting your core and it's, it's a phenomenal program. Man. It's, it's, I'm glad to see where it came from. Kind of, kind of get the backstory of, yeah. of what all this is about. And uh, I really appreciate you taking. This is probably our longest video ever, but you know what? It's about you, and people need to see what's about you, um, and who you are, and why this is so important for everybody, and why we're actually sitting here talking to each other and and taking up people's time, wanting to discuss different things. It's because you know the world can be a better place, and you and I have committed to each other to try to do that one person at a time. 
or to the many as they watch our videos, man. And I'm excited about it, dude. You talked about you found your purpose. Just working with you over the last few months, I mean, I've really found what fills me up as a human being because we're consciously and, and constantly working on bettering people, helping yeah. people better the life so yeah. they can then go out and better the world. And that's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be part of it. What, el- what else would we work on, dude? Yeah, like, right? I mean, like- <laughs> it's like a dull <laughs> moment. You're like, well, yeah, duh, why wouldn't you do that? What else would we work on? I mean, we're all... the opportunity to save the, you know, help the world become better, would yeah. you do it? Uh, yeah. And I'm in. And, I'm and I, want, I want everybody else to listen. This isn't about one of us you know, coming back as the one that fixes it all, we all have to fix it, right? So yeah. it's, it's all of us doing it. And so, you know, we'll we'll do our part. And then the people listening, you know, as they pick it up, they do their part and they help the people around them. And that's Master how... Master your mindset and start working together in a different level of consciousness. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's a beautiful it's thing. Cool. So thank you for doing this with me, man. This is awesome. This is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, man, it was, yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing story. And I really appreciate what you do and what you're doing and what awesome. you will do. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Let's bow it out. Let's inspire everybody to go help uh, help yourself and everybody else. Like, let's just Hi, be bro. happy. Yeah. Hey, man, I love you. You're a great, love man. Love you back, bro. I'll talk to you soon. See you. Bye.